we expected it's going to be complete mayhem this morning because I have all these wonderful plans in my head and then I get here and realise, oh, that was probably a little trickier than I had uh, intended. So I'm glad that you've all seemingly made some props on your tables today. We're going to be using those a little bit later. So a warning, there may be audience participation. So, uh, Beth, I have got a PowerPoint up there if you wouldn't mind putting the first bits up. Let me just get my bag of stuff. So if you were going to pick somebody to speak about risk and faith, it would not be me. Uh, you might pick Mark Stubbs or someone, but he's away. So um, I'm more of a risk assessor, actually. Um, if there's something going on here, I'm more likely to be the one that says, are we covered by insurance? Has anyone assessed it? Are you sure that's okay? But that's okay, because some of us here are going to be real... Stepping out risk people, and some of us are going to be more risk assessors like me, and God can use us all. So that's handy. So don't discount yourself today if you're not one of the stubsies of this world. If you're not risking life and limb on a daily basis, it's okay. I, uh, I do have a few fears, however. Um, I'm scared of heights. Um, but I decided a while back that I wasn't going to let some of my fears, that's not all of them, it's a work in progress, some of my fears get in the way of what I wanted to do. One of the things I wanted to do was um, when we went to Sydney is to walk across Sydney Harbour Bridge. Um, so uh, I had, well, we paid a lot of money to go there, so I thought I'm not going all that way and not tackling my fear. So um, I kind of had to work out a way of getting up there. Now, thankfully, I had good support. Keith was with me. Um, I listened to the safety briefing, which was not as long as I had expected it to be, I have to say. Um, and I kind of just had to take the step. They did say that once you were hooked on and in that group of people, basically you were stuck there with them then and you were going to have to do the walk. Um, so I got myself strapped into the line and we did it. And I had the reward was great. I had the most amazing views and I was really secretly proud of myself, if that's allowed, is that allowed? I was a bit proud of myself that I'd actually managed it. Um, uh, the, other, the other thing I've managed to do is I, I wanted to go in a helicopter, and again, that does involve heights. Uh, I managed that as well, but only because I was with Keith, had good support, and I, again, I decided, and then I knew once you're up in the air, you can't actually get out. But that's okay. I kind of worked through it a bit and managed to get my helicopter trip and landed in the Grand Canyon for breakfast. So that, the reward for that was great too. So I'm really pleased to do those things. Keith, I, have, I did check with Keith before I decided to share this. Keith has a fear of snakes. So I know some of you will, will do. Uh, Keith uh, is, again, it's to the work in progress for Keith. Keith once abandoned me in a busy American city when he saw someone holding a snake just in the street. This was uh, in the days before mobile phones and being able to, you know, go, where have you run to? So sometimes, I, I can, I've, we've, there's been forgiveness since then, don't worry, it's all fine. Um, but sometimes we can let our fears stand in the way of, of some normal, sort of the things that we would normally do, which is to stand with your wife and protect her in said unknown city. Um, <laughs> so, so bear that in mind that actually... We, most of us could probably think of a few fears, even if we haven't told anyone about them. You know, I did ask his permission before I went public with his fear. But um, <laughs> So, um, 
We're going to look today at risk and faith. So uh, the first one is, what is risk? Well, the worldly view is that a situation involving exposure to danger, the possibility that something unpleasant or unwelcome will happen, or expose someone or something valued to danger, harm, or loss. So that doesn't sound all that great, if you ask me. It's not something I would naturally go for in my life. However, I thought I found some Christian uh, Google is my friend. So these were some of the, uh, the opinions of Christians on this. Stepping out into the unknown, uncertain things for kingdom purposes. I think that's important. Uh, serving God despite the danger of suffering loss, whether it be financial, friendships, health, life. Rejection and failure. That's a big one for some of us. Just knowing that someone might actually think we're completely and utterly mad. And how are we going to deal with that? Um, always includes faith in God, hope that the blessing outweighs the risks, and love for those we take a risk for. So I think when we're doing our risk-taking, if we can make sure it's got some faith in it, some hope in it, and some love in it, I think we might be all right. Okay, so what is faith, though? The dictionary says, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. A strong belief in the doctrines of a religion. We have a faith based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. A strongly held belief. And we've got a confident expectation of God's promises coming to pass. So if we can hold on to the promises of God, we can have faith that those things are going to happen. And Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So as we're talking today, remember about God's promises being important, okay? So I've mentioned fear. How does that uh, relate to uh, risk and faith? Uh, The uh, very eminent Phil Reed said the other week, I had to go back on the website and, and write it down. He said, fear is also a confident expectation that something is going to happen. Um, The same as faith, but it's in the negative. So they're, they're the same thing, but one has a positive outlook, one has a negative outlook. Um, and we're going to look at some risk takers that were in the Bible who went after God's promises. Now, to do this, we're going to act it out. This is the risky bit. <laughs> uh, never work with children. We're going to do just that right now. And uh, we're going to see how far we get. Now, uh, Ethan and Caleb have already primed them to come and help me. So do you boys want to come out? Caleb is going to play the part of Caleb today. So typecast as always. There you go. Uh, Ethan's going to play Moses. There you go. Uh, But I am going to need some more volunteers because this is a story about 12 spies. Now I've got two. I'm going to need 10 more. So if you are a child and don't mind coming up, if you've got binoculars with you, if you were on the binocular making tables, you might want to bring those up with you. So who would like to come up? Get the Another couple just to just to make it authentic. Oh, Dakota, are you coming up with your binoculars? That's great. Come on up. Excellent. Oh, and Lexi, you come and come, come and be in my play. Uh, we're going to do this a bit in the round, okay? Uh, so I'm also going to need 
Did anyone make a giant? Who made some giants? Let's have a look. Oh, we got a giant. Oh, right. I'm going to need the giants. Hmm, where should we go? We're going to have some giants in that corner over there. Can you take your giants to the corner? We're just setting up the scene. You don't have to, that's fine. Yeah, there was no compulsion to take part in this at all. <laughs> After all that hard work as well. Um, did the map table manage to make a map? <gasps> Brilliant. Who's Lexi, were you on the map table? Could you go and get your map? Would that be all right? Oh, what a beautiful map. Well done. Um, the grape table. Tiff, would you mind, would you mind doing the... When Deb saw grapes in her mind, I don't think she meant this. Um, you, can you be over in... Oh, take the grapes in that corner. Not you, Caleb. You need to give it to somebody else because you're in this bit of the play. Oh, look. T Tiff might go. Go on, Tiff. Tiff's in charge of the grapes. Very authentic. Um, did we have any, any cows? Have we got some cows? Megan looks like... Oh, look. Deb's is the one... Um, Debs, don't go all the way into the corner. Just go over there somewhere. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, let... And I know we had some bees. Oh, all your children have gone. So, Denisa, you'll have to be a bee holder. And bring the honey. You can go with Debs. Oh, and the milk. We need the milk. Look, very authentic. We go to a lot of trouble here. And the honey. Oh, look, Denise, come and sit with Debs. There we go. Brilliant. Giants, map, binoculars, grapes, milk and bees. Are we all good? Oh, and the map. Well done, Lexi. You're, you're the map holder. Are you ready? And basically, we're going to tell the story to the adults and they're going to listen really, really well. What do you think? Do you think they're going to manage that? Here we go. The Lord said to Moses... Ethan, that's you, isn't it? Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. That's you. Um, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, uh, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Ah. Are you ready, guys? Map leader, Lexi, you come with me. The others are going to follow us with their binoculars. Are you ready, spies? Let's go. They broke. Don't worry about that. Right. Okay, here we go. Come on, then, Lexi. So they went up and explored. Oh, yeah. Where's Lexi? Come on, Lexi. I'm going to hold your hand. That's all right. We'll go together. Okay. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshite, I might excuse the pronunciations, the descendants of Anak. That was the giants. Here we are, guys. Get your binoculars out. <gasps> what can you see? 
Oh, come on, Jude, bring your binoculars. Well, they are great giants. Well done, by the way. Brilliant, brilliant giant making. Well done. Where they, the giants lived. Okay. Onward. When, thank you, giants. Thank you, giants. Thank you, giants. Uh, when they reached the valley of Eshkol. Come on. Oh, get your binoculars out. What can we see? Oh, oh, there's all, there's all, that's it. They cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. <gasps> Who's going to carry the grapes? Not you. You've got a job. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And not, oh, well done. That's it. Carry the grapes. They cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it. Two of them? Two, two. Brilliant. Excellent. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs represented here by individual balloons. Excellent. Um, <laughs> that place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes that is right. It's cut off there. Right, lots of walking. 40 days. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, right. Brilliant. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly, that's you, and showed them the fruit of the land. Show them your fruit. Yeah. Oh, oh, and the milk. Oh, yeah, that's coming on. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Brilliant. Well done to the people who made the milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That was the giants. The Amalekites uh, live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can... Certainly do it. Right. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Oh, dear. That's not a great ending, is it, for that bit? Not great at all. Thank you for your help. You can go and sit down. Take your, take your fruit and your bits and pieces. Well done. Well done. Good acting. Good acting. That's it. Oh, look at those grapes go. Well done, Lexi. Thank you very much. You want to take your map back? Thank you for your help. <laughs> oh, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was worth taking a risk on. So that's good. So, all the spies saw and experienced the same situation. All 12 of them saw exactly the same thing. They saw the same people. But the conclusions they formed were different. So there must be a reason for that. Okay. The 10 spies focused on the problem. They saw that the strength the other people had, the size of the people, and they saw their failings. They felt really small. 
And the fear meant that they said no to living in the promise of God. The promise was that that would be their land. But they chose fear. But Caleb, and this is one of the reasons I chose Caleb's name. So Caleb had a different spirit and followed God wholeheartedly, it says later on. I say Caleb and Joshua's outlook on the problem was opposite to the other ten people. Okay? They focused on God and his strength and his size and how great they were with God. Okay? And perhaps that's what we need to do when we're faced with, what did it say, opportunities to exercise our faith? Is that problems, basically? <laughs> when we, when sometimes when we get a problem or an opportunity, we might have to focus on God and his strength and how great we are when, you know, when we're with God instead of looking at the problem. And I, I'm talking to myself here because I, I, I can look at a problem. I can find a problem in just about anything, to be honest. <laughs> But I have to remember that with God, anything is possible. And sometimes it's worth taking the risk because the reward is great enough. And the reward for them was the promised land. Now, Caleb got to see the promised land, the others didn't. Um, And as we go about our lives, we have to sometimes take a risk. And that's going to look really different to everybody. I had an interesting uh, talk. I went to one of these things where they do your um, personality profiling thing. Um, And I came out, as expected, as some kind of introvert who likes rules. Um, So I wasn't overly surprised. Um, But the man there, because I've been in a few churches in my time, and uh, people always talk, talk about getting out of your comfort zone. And I think there is an element of that. However, if you are an introvert who likes following the rules... That seems a really big thing. You don't get many churches that stand and go, if you're already really big and lively and like talking to lots of people, go on your own and talk to one single person. That's not being out of your comfort zone. No one ever tells people who are extrovert to go and be introverted. And yet God kind of made me this way, and I sometimes have to work within that. That's not to say I don't take risks or I shouldn't take risks, but it might look a bit different for me, and it might look a bit different for you. And the important thing is to be who you are in this family. And it's a good job we're all different. I've said this before because we've all got our own thing to bring to this risk-taking business. And God will use you and help you and give you the strength and the power. And he will give you the spirit to do that. So, again, be who you are in this church and in your community. Okay, and don't worry about whether your risk-taking looks risky enough. Because for you, it might be really, really risky, and no one might be able to see that. Okay? So, the last risky thing I'm going to do is that some of you know, uh, I don't get many dreams or prophetic words. It's, it's just, but when I do, they're in the form of objects. So God will point out an object, and then sometimes he'll give me an interpretation of it. The risky bit of this is that I haven't fully got the interpretation yet, so I'm hoping someone here might. So um, I went to a birthday party with Caleb, and it was a science birthday party. Things have moved on from jelly and ice cream, it turns out. So a, the, a woman was there doing science experiments with the children, and um, she did a science experiment, and I really felt the nudge of God in a room where I nearly went, oh, that's amazing, there's, a, there's something in that. And I obviously was just surrounded with other parents, so I couldn't actually say anything. But it was one of those moments that I just knew. Um... <laughs> and so uh, 
I took a step of faith and ordered said equipment on Amazon. The risky thing is that I don't know if I've got the right things and the batteries might run out in any moment now. So if this fails, somebody wiser than me, prepare for a better teaching point. Okay. Um, the other thing is that it says on there it's for seven plus. But I reckon we can break that rule today. So if you're under seven, join in but have a parent with you. There's nothing actually dangerous about this. Oh, <laughs> There you go. Uh, so just be warned, if you do have little ones, it did say on the pack, 7+. plus. Um, and the other thing is, I'm not actually very good at science. So um, I tried to remember the point of these. Uh, Keith will back me up. He's much better at these things. So I'm going to get out my special bits and pieces. So in, in the envelope, there we go. We've got special balls. Now, they might just look like table tennis balls to you, but they're not. Here we go. Caleb, do you want to take one out? Don't do anything with it yet. Ethan, do you want to come and get one out? And would you like to help? You don't have to, but since you're close, can you see if you can get them out the pack? Is it? And then just hold them, but don't touch the bits on it. <clears throat> don't touch the bits on it. Risky, I told you, risky, risky. Don't. Right. Here we go. Uh, now, the reward from this little experiment is that uh, as Caleb is already pre-demonstrating, is that there will be wild noise and flashing lights. Show us your wild noise and flashing lights, Caleb. That's our reward. Don't drop it, my goodness. Right. Now, the theory of this is that we should be able to get, in theory, everyone in the room, but I'm not... I've got faith, but I'm not sure how much. A mustard seed's worth, perhaps. We should be able to join up all together and make the lights flash by, by making a circuit... Okay? That's the science. So I say, I hope you all think about what God's got to say about this, because I've got a few inklings, but I'm not quite sure yet. You can hold hands and do the ball. So Keith's going to come and help um, to try and get this ordered. We'll start with the children, and then we'll add in the adults, I think. So what you have to do is hold... No, that's all right. Don't touch. Yeah, the other thing is, if you're here, don't touch another person unless Keith tells you to. Okay, Caleb, you're going to be brought out of this in a minute. Ready? Okay. Oh, don't touch. Don't touch. Right. Just touch the metal. Don't touch each other. This is, this is why they say seven plus, I think. <laughs> You've got to hold it like that. Hold it like that. Don't touch each other. Don't. Right. Are you all right to hold hands? Just hold hands. Dakota, you've got a roll in your hand. That might make it just a little tricky at this stage. So I'm just going just gonna to swap you out for a minute. Right. Hold that. And then hold, don't touch each other. That's it. Hold it just on that side and that side. Don't hold each other yet. Ooh. Oh, someone's... Right, hold hands. Right. In theory... When they all join hands, oh, we get our lights and our noise. Oh, now, I'm going to ask Ephraim to break the chain. Can you break the chain, Ephraim? Oh, someone's touching. So when, you, oh, when we break the chain... When we break the chain, it doesn't work anymore. 
Now, we're going to add a few more people in. I, I reckon we could go big with this. This is the risk of it. So, any more children want to join in before we... Lexi, so just come in and hold some hands. Not, yeah, with... I'm not sure if the grapes... Are... Who's good at science? Will the grapes help or hinder? <laughs> I'm not sure. Should have listened more in class. Take that as a lesson as well. Well done. Good job. Come on then. Let's make the second video. Dakota, do you want to have a go? No, not yet. Okay. So you mustn't touch anybody else unless you're the hand holder. Oh, are we ready? Oh. Have we got our full circuit yet? Yeah, don't. That's it. Hold hands. Okay. We've got our circuit, so we've got our reward. So that's good. I think any adults want to go, come on, take a risk. Come on. Nathan, Nathan, come on. School teachers on the internet tell me they do it with a class of 30. Let's see. So if you're the ball holder, you mustn't touch each other. Oh, <laughs> see, it's dangerous. Risk, it's a danger. Well done, Dakota. Yeah, John. Oh, I told you mayhem was promised. Look, Debs is in the, in the circle. Oh, right. Have we all, are we all holding hands? And have we got any reward yet? I'm going to have to. Are, are all our balls buzzing? Yay. Uh, Nath, can you break the chain? Oh, the power. He's got the power. Let's do it again. Okay, last call for anyone else, because I reckon that's a class full. Any more? Any more for any more? Oh, there we go. We've got another one coming in. Come and hold a hand then. You want to come in? You can be part of the chain. Oh, very good. And then, uh, have we got a chain going? Except, Bev, can you break the chain? <gasps> okay. So, for those of you who have been working on your interpretation, get ready to speak soon. Well, you may take your seats. Thank you very much. Uh, afterwards, we'll have a little play with them. You can have a go. Right. Uh, if you can give the balls to Keith. Uh, I'm sure we can use those again somewhere. Uh, have you got the next slide there? Thanks. Uh, so, this is, uh, this is what I had. That we need to actually be part of the chain. Some, that's a really big risk sometimes, is just being part of the chain. Especially if you're an introvert. That's right. I, the thought of holding hands with you in that circle. Just not, oh, anyway, so we need to be part of the chain. We have to take the risk. Now, we didn't do it here, but you can do it by putting it on your nose or on your ear. That's a bit riskier because it doesn't always work. Or on your tooth. Yeah, if you put it on your mouth. So there's different ways. Sometimes you might be more of a tongue or an ear or a knee. You don't all have to be the same body part. We're all different. And sometimes when you take a risk, you have to use the part of your body that's, that God has that sort of put you in for. Okay. Each person is just as important and the circuit can be broken without you. Okay. That's all I'll say on that. I'll leave that one. And the, the electricity power only flows through the circuit when the circuit is complete. 
Okay? And we need to be part of a team. Jesus was connected. He was connected to God and the Holy Spirit. We need that same connection. So it kind of works on a two-part. We need to be connected to God, connected to the Holy Spirit, connected to Jesus. And if you haven't got that connection, Tim already said it. You know, it might be that today's the day when you want to make that connection. And the reward is a bit better than a red light and a buzzy noise. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, oh no. Can I remember what it said? Yes. But Jesus was also connected with his disciples and the people in his community. And that's for us as well. That's what I got from it. Did anyone else get anything else? Raise your hands if you have anything to add to this. <gasps> Come and see me afterwards if you do get anything more. Oh, Trev, good man. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much similar to what um, Lisa got. But when I was in Brazil, I was struck by the unity of the churches over there. And that's what I, it spoke to me about unity. And um, there's this verse it's where Jesus is praying. He says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you've sent me and that you love them as you've loved me. And it just made me really think that in order for us to experience God's power and, and that revival, we really need to have, have unity amongst ourselves. What I got was the, about the light, really. Um, and I think the stronger, the light will be brighter the more we join together in, in unity that our little lights shine, perhaps individually, but the more we join together, it will be really light. Yeah, I couldn't afford more than three balls, but yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? I was great. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking a risk and getting up and sharing as well. Brilliant. Excellent. So if Debs is going to allow me 10 more minutes, just so we finish at 12. We're going to finish at 12, but I want you in your tables to have a think about how does this account the, the story we acted out, affect our lives today. I'd kind of like to know, what does it mean for us today? You know, Are we going to be like Caleb and Joshua, or are we going to be like the Ten Spies? But what does it look like? Are there any areas we need to take a risk, exercise our faith muscle, or get out of our comfort zone? And I say that with a, you know, you know there might be situations we need to move into that God is calling you to. Not that you've decided might be fun necessarily, but that God is speaking into your life about. So if you don't mind sharing your table, again, you don't have to. There's no compulsion to do so. And we'll, we will, uh, Deb will uh, close us at 12. That's all right. Thank you very much. <laughs>